season four time. Welcome back, everybody, to Pair of Kings, where we are bringing you business as usual, tomfoolery as planned. My name is John Hogaboom. You can find me on Instagram at John Hogaboom, and I am joined by not one, but two other people in the podcast studio today. First off, we have my wonderful co-host. Saul Thompson. You can find me on Instagram at Saul Thompson. How are you, John? Saul, I'm doing pretty well. The sun is shining here in Michigan. It's a balmy 40 degrees oh the snow is melting the snowman weather it is t-shirt weather i'm <laughs> on here in a t-shirt um we had a snowman in our yard for the last two months and he has now been reduced to a little nub in the in the front yard so is it summer no you gotta have a wake for him yeah yeah he'll send be, him off he'll be remembered fondly <laughs> um but I'm, I'm here for the the weather i woke up to birds chirping this morning so I can't complain. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, I had a bit of a tough last night. Uh, for yeah. those who don't know, I work in a, in a hospital. One of my patients passed away, um, which was upsetting. Um, and that happened right before I went to sleep. So I didn't sleep all that well, but I'm doing okay. I spoke to my grandparents um, who are both in healthcare. Um, and they, <laughs> they helped me out a lot. My grandmother forced me to do a bunch of, bunch of cookies. So that always helps. Grandmother's love type of thing. Um, Definitely. But I'm doing well, I'm all sorry right. that happened, man. It's okay. My, my thoughts go out to his family. You know, it's, it's not about sure. me in this time. It's about him um, yeah, or, definitely. you know, remembering him. So, um, you know, may he rest easy. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And all the best, but John, this episode so, we're here, but we are. there's also one more person joining us. Yes. You want like to introduce them? Yeah, I can, I can launch right into it. We have an alum of both Kith and Bodhi. Um, not all bad things are birthed from quarantine. In fact, his brand was birthed during quarantine. Started it in his, I think his apartment. You can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, yep. He was doing made to order. Now he's doing made to order, but under a brand. Um, it is none other than Connor McKnight. You can find him on Instagram at Connor McKnight. That's two N's. <laughs> M-C-K-N-I-G-H-T. O-R. 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 Very important. Yes. Welcome to the podcast, Connor. It's good to be here. How are you guys doing? I'm sorry to hear about your patience, Saul. I didn't know that um, you worked in healthcare. Yeah, it's really um, sad. It's okay. I, you know, it's it's something that happens when you work with cancer patients. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I I'm taking a year off of school, so I found a job and it's it's going well. I'm very happy to have a job, but it's a it's a tough one. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, it's all right though. Um, you know, I I'm doing the best that I can to make sure that his uh, you know, widow, I guess is the, the right word, um, is doing okay. Not, Definitely. you know, intervene too much, but let's leave that at the door as it were. <laughs> we, we got some happier things to talk about. Of course. How are you, Connor? I'm doing all right. You know, uh, it's, it's been sort of a slow week, uh, getting started. Um, you know, it seems like every day is a totally different experience right now. Um, mm. You know, in the past, it's been like, you know, working somewhere else where you expect your job to be crazy on a regular basis. Um, so now it's just basically me. <laughs> so, um, you know, there's a lot of like rolling with the punches. You know, some days you have something crazy come up and you're running around like a, you know, 
running around on a bunch of errands or doing a bunch of stuff. And some days there's really not much at all to do. <laughs> sure. so, um, you know, it's been a few slow days and I think it's going to probably kick up a little bit towards the end of the week. Well, we're ready to ramp it up with this <laughs> exciting fashion podcast. Hopefully yeah. it's not too boring, but <laughs> we're happy you're here. Let's start things off the pair of Kingsway. Can we get a fit check? check um so i'm wearing what am i wearing i'm wearing a vintage t-shirt um i got this during quarantine um is kind of a random purchase but i've been sort of looking for like more shitty vintage tees that i can just like beat up um i don't i don't know how else to put that but like uh there's a certain balance for me with t-shirts where it's something that's too personal or it's something that like you know, you're looking for something that's like not too much of a conversation starter. Um, mm. But I found this t-shirt because I watched the movie. Have you heard of Paris, Texas? Yeah. 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 They, it's, they uh, made that into a photo book, right? Um, I'm not 100% sure on that, but okay. it's like, an, it's an incredible movie and you should both check it out if you haven't seen it. Um, but I was just sort of digging on eBay one day and looking up random random films that I had been watching and this sort of popped up and apparently this band called Native Texas uh, was started in the 80s or something like that as sort of a tribute to that okay and this is a concert tee from that band <laughs> that's cool and the 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 date on the back of the concert tee is my birthday so I thought it was oh. kind of for me too well, just like perfect. a yeah <laughs> I needed to buy it Oh, even absolutely. though it's you know stupid expensive but then um i bought this and then i'm wearing my own pants so i'm wearing a, a brush canvas um pleated trouser from my collection nice and it's sort of a boring fit today because it's it's just that <laughs> there's no shoes right now i'm wearing nike socks uh, um keeping it pretty simple i wouldn't be uh in my house if i was wearing like a full outfit right now i think you know <laughs> yeah for sure it's always a good sign to see a designer wearing their own stuff absolutely <laughs> believe in the product i think that's my that's my test you know if i if i actually want to wear it then it's you know something that i'll put out there if it's something that i hate then it's probably not going to make it there's there's yeah. been quite a few of those those projects too where i decide that it's not worth it <laughs> yeah I don't know if we have a question about it, but I figure I'll just ask now. You did go to Parsons. Were there any sort of projects that you did there that you absolutely hated? I know there are a few that they require everybody to do, right? Oh, yeah. So um, basically, it's just like a general cur curriculum where um, they're te they're basically the, the plan is to teach you how to make just about anything. Mm -hmm. um, so there's certain prompts, basically, that are, are kept general so that you can, like, interpret them as you please. But... Mm -hmm. um, they want to see certain design elements in them so like sure. we all had to make a button-up shirt we all had to make a wrap skirt we all had to make you know like an a-line dress or something like that and you kind of just like do whatever the hell you want with them um i can remember one thing that i that i made that was like absolutely awful was um this sort of like this sort of puffer vest that i think was kind of trying to be what i ended up making for my collection but it was like, it was horrible. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, 
I just kind of like, I was trying to do something with, um, one of my professors was super flexible with my ideas because I was sort of doing menswear and, and women's wear, but like feeling it, feeling it out. Mm-hmm. And so I made my like A-line dress into that vest. Cool. And it was, it was really, it was stupid. It was like in like a mauve pink canvas and like, I don't know, I threw it out. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I, I hated it so much, but that was really bad. I made like a, like a denim A-line dress at one point. That was really bad a lot of bad ideas you just work through them all and just like sort of (laughs) see how they go I don't know (laughs) that's very fair I guess you gotta walk before you can run yeah I mean I think that's what that's what school is there for um you know it's sort of figuring out your process so like if everything that you make in school you think is the greatest thing ever then you're probably doing it wrong or you're not (laughs) you're probably not taking enough chances or just like seeing what works for you um Mm -hmm. So like I only did two years, like I did an associate's degree there. And I think I even have one class left actually um, because I was still finishing while I was at Bodhi. Okay. So I was like taking classes in and out while I was like, you know, doing work for her on a daily basis. Um, So yeah, it's, it's just kind of like really condensed into a short period of time. So you're like, how can I like, try everything that I can <laughs> in this really short amount of time. I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's super interesting. John, before we get into the, the formal questions, why don't you take us through your fit? Okay. Um, I've got the, the pod and stocks on 2021 edition. My, my Birkenstock Boston's have been breaking in since December. Uh, I've got a pair of socks gifted to me by our dear friend, Hot Product Studios. Thank you for those. Uh, I've got one of my favorite pairs of pants. It is a pair of 80s Levi's 517s, uh, white tag, and a brown corduroy. And I just like perfect pair of pants. They fit excellent, and they have a great flare at the bottom as well. Uh, and then on top, a just super simple black Hanes tee, but it's the supreme one, so big flex over yeah. here <laughs> absolutely going crazy right now oh yeah yeah how about yourself Saul I think I'm gonna throw my hat in the ring for contender of worst fit ever on the podcast we can uh judge that seeing as I I drove down from Boston this morning I am in uh my I work from home fit so I've got a pair of like thermal Patagonia pajama pants that I also wear as normal pants when I'm feeling especially lazy um, like, I don't want to put any effort into what I'm wearing. And then I have on top a five or six year old t-shirt from the NBA all-star game when it was up in Canada, um, believe Toronto, um, it's black and it says East. Um, I wanted the white one that said West, but, uh, I'm not from the West. So I got this one. Yeah. It's a pretty terrible fit. I'm so glad you all could see me catch me, I guess what slipping falling short <laughs> whatever the vernacular may be i am yeah uh, we have a fashion podcast yeah exactly yeah no we are uh our voices are are heard in the fashion community and uh and here what? we are yeah they're laughing i'll just have show. to take your word for it oh yeah, yeah. um we're both in head to toe runway raf right now <laughs> super sick 
Um, Saul, you got you got to talk about your hat as well. Oh yeah, no, the ever-present Gus's fried chicken hat from Chicago. Uh, it's blue trucker hat. I I don't know why, but it's always attached to my hat. I do know why. It's my become hair is an terrible. extension of you at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. No, I've got like the the unruly mane of hair that I'm refusing to cut until stuff goes at least Patreon back content. Yeah, sure. We, I exactly. don't know. Reach a thousand patrons. I'll let John cut my hair. Let's go. Come on, folks. <laughs> you heard it here uh, first. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're trying to uh, trying to figure out what to do with the mop that is currently attached to my head. So, well, that's a fit <sighs> check. <laughs> Great fits all around, everybody. We are going to get right into <laughs> the main event of this podcast. We've written up some questions for Connor. We're just going to start things right off, Connor. Yes. Yeah, how are you? Let's go. And what has quarantine been like for you? uh that's uh that's a big question i don't know it's it's been like pretty productive i guess that's good um i sort of like i've said i feel like i've said this like a gazillion times now i, I really like sort of hanging out in my apartment i'm sort mm-hmm. of a homebody so um it was like kind of a welcomed bad experience <laughs> <laughs> Um, I had a lot of, uh, I was like really trying to figure things out, um, for the first time. And, you know, it did, it, was, it wasn't like the, the quarantine started and I was like immediately like, let's go, like, I'm going to like start making a bunch of clothes. Um, but you know, it just, it, with a lot of time, it just felt like really natural getting started. Um, so like I had just left my position at Bodhi, like maybe, a couple weeks before the pandemic hit oh wow um so it was like one of those weird things where like I was unemployed for like that reason but then the Mm -hmm. pandemic started and then like everybody was unemployed for you were unemployed before it was cool yeah before it was cool (laughs) like hips were unemployed no it was it was kind of like a like a good accident in that way because then Mm -hmm. you don't feel so alone I, I think that's probably one of the worst things about being unemployed Mm. um but yeah like it was sort of like okay like I'm probably not getting a job right now and um you know there's way too much time for everybody to do whatever it is they're doing uh Mm. whether it's cooking or you know buying things that they really don't need or whatever so um I did a lot of that too but like Mm. you know basically just started trying to like test out ideas that I'd always wanted to do you know I have this really big industrial machine in my house that I hadn't used I hadn't touched it (laughs) like I I bought it like while I was still at Bodie and I sort of just uh let it sit there for a bit (laughs) and I had to get it I had to get it fixed actually at the beginning of the pandemic before I got started on making things so it was kind of like a funny like we're doing this um but yeah, I don't know. It, it was really productive. I felt like it was exactly what I needed. Um, That's great. And like, I wouldn't have wanted to just come out and uh, be trying to find another design job. Um, so I think that this is like the fact that it did work was, <laughs> you know, like I'm thinking my lucky stars. I really didn't there. I really didn't know what was going to happen. So um, I'm excited about it. 
you've managed to do a bunch, at least like, you know, over the pandemic, but over the last nine months, you have, I think over like 24, 25 products in the site. Um, yeah. You shot a lookbook, you're still creating things. Like it's, it's pretty remarkable. Like you've managed to keep the ball rolling. I feel like a lot of pandemic projects, you know, started very bright and then burned out yeah. um, just because everybody got stuck at home and said, all right, we're done with sourdough bread. Let's make yeah. something. <laughs> What's that pasta that's really famous on TikTok right now? Oh, uh, it's like the, a, a shaved, shaved scallion pasta that everybody's like making or something. It's yeah, like, I've seen the TikTok. You should, pasta. You should look it up. I, I thought you were the TikTok guy. I don't know. I, I, I have no idea. I, I'm <laughs> What's your for you page here. giving you, man? Come on. My for you page <laughs> gives me, uh, God, what was it the, the other week? It's, it's again and again and again, that audio of Blueface where it's like, can a hotel me shit? Cause bitch, I'm the shit. I, <laughs> whatever but then they just cut masks and put them on animals and then the animals have like balaclavas it's it's oh. bizarre but it's really funny i keep Whoa. seeing them <laughs> that's my entire for you page imagine trying to explain the tiktok for you page like going back in time 50 years and trying to explain what that meant and you weren't allowed to travel back to present day until you could explain it fully You'd be i feel like there there's forever. a lot of things from this era that might be give you some trouble explaining to somebody <laughs> from years ago like you know just starting with the meme maybe it would be oh yeah pretty difficult um tiktok is another level of meme i think oh imagine if you're just trying to explain like sneaker resale culture yeah, yeah you know I what i mean know. okay <laughs> go back to 85 so... and tell your parents to buy every pair of jordan ones on the shelves yeah i mean that's an investment honestly those are <laughs> appreciated dramatically that that pair of uh like game worn jordan ones from what was it 86 mm -hmm. sold for like a million dollars on ebay yes. they did yeah. yeah there you have it absolutely bonkers <laughs> this is how far we've come <laughs> maybe two Four steps years. forward one step back yeah right <laughs> um <laughs> sorry i totally messed up your question there oh, no it's all good oh, no worries at all yeah so you mentioned that you were working at Bodhi, taking classes at Parsons, and then you left your position at Bodhi and started your own thing. Um, but yeah. dialing it like all the way, all the way back, what got you into fashion in the first place? Um, I guess I've been into, into fashion for quite a while now. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like uh, it was something that I started getting interested in in like middle school. Mm -hmm. um, right around the time, I guess this is when GQ started to have sort of a bit of a resurgence mm -hmm. um, and there were, you know, it was sort of the hat, the beginning of the hashtag menswear era. Yep. So you have things like Tumblr were popping off. Um, this is the beginning of, I don't know if you've got you guys have heard of like street etiquette, they were mm -hmm. sort of getting big. There's like the Brooklyn circus. These are all sort of like original, like when capsule was big. And yeah. I was kind of watching from afar, I guess, because I was sort of young. Um, but, you know, like, it's, it's around the same time that Four Pins blew up. That's yeah. like a classic blog that a lot of people were reading at the time. And, um, you know, all of my friends at the time were really into it. And mm -hmm. we were all kind of geeking out about, you know, this is the beginning of sort of sneaker resale was starting to happen. Um, mm -hmm. Like, I think I bought my first pair of, of like, like I got the Space Jam 11s when they first came out. Um, 
And so there were like the beginnings of some of what we see now and sort of like commonplace mm-hmm. um, was like my first foray into it. And then, you know, going into high school, I sort of, uh, you know, it, was, it became more of like an everyday sort of hobby. Like me and my friends would go thrifting. Um, I'm from DC, we would go to Georgetown uh, and go shopping at places down there. My mom would bring me to New York every year um so that I could just like basically keep her company and she would you know we would go shopping at the same time which was cool (laughs) um but like you know it wasn't really something that I took very seriously at the Mm -hmm. time it was just like a general interest and you know like I started learning how to sew back then but it wasn't like you know I didn't really think it was going to be my career Mm -hmm. necessarily um I worked at American Apparel when American Apparel was a thing. <laughs> that was my first job, uh, which, you know, maybe it's not the best to talk about American Apparel. I had a, quite a bad downfall, but, um, but yeah, so like, I, you know, it was like sort of building as an interest in like middle school and high school for me. And, um, you know, as I got older, I started to think more about like, whether it was something that I wanted to pursue or whether it was just sort of going to stay a hobby for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, you know, college being what it is, like I sort of like, I think that's when it sort of solidified itself as like what I wanted to do. Um, mm-hmm. You guys have a question in here about like engineering, basically like I was mm-hmm. going to college as an engineering student. Um, so I was in like all math classes, like all calculus, all the hard sciences and stuff like that, because that's, you know, that's how they, that's how they used to do it. Like you were, you know, like you were, math brained or you were like mm-hmm. a creative brain yeah. or something like that and um so they sort of like cubby hold you into what you were good at mm-hmm. also as being what your interest would be and I was really into cars as a really little kid like there's a bunch of like really shitty drawings somewhere that I have I don't know what my mom did with them I really hope she didn't throw them out but like <laughs> like I literally drew like massive amounts of like my own design cars and things like that as a kid so I guess that was where my interest in design came from but um you know after I started visiting programs for engineering and uh feeling things out it sort of killed it for me (laughs) like I I wasn't as interested anymore uh when I got to Fordham I just went business sort of general Mm. and you know uh, I guess started to feel things out and I'm here it sounds like something had happened really fast but it really wasn't um I don't know how else to put it but it's relatable with the uh the engineering conversation I also I went to Michigan State and I started as an engineer okay yeah (laughs) ended up in like advertising so I switched from that math minded to creative minded and I found myself like the engineering stuff wasn't awful but I thought about looking five years ahead would I be happy doing this as a career and I said absolutely not so yeah switch and ended up in advertising which I've enjoyed a lot more yeah I did it as well sorry no 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 go ahead ahead. I was just gonna say I started out as a as a math and econ major and now I'm doing art and environmental science (laughs) (laughs) I think most people probably change at some point in college but like I definitely was hitting a wall towards the end of high school I can remember sitting 
in a calculus test and putting like closing the booklet and just saying like I'm I'm done like yeah. I, I can't do this anymore <laughs> and I think there was like that was sort of a defining moment in life <laughs> it's just like don't want to do math for the rest of my life you know I think people that go through college and do like the thing that they either set in like went into college wanting to do are either a doctors or b scary 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 people yeah probably so <laughs> probably so but you know i think um you know like ha like having the space to develop that interest in fashion mm -hmm. was probably good for me because sure i think i see a lot of people that go in straight out from from high school and sort of either a burnout like there were a lot of those kids in at parsons and i've heard about people in fit going through a four-year program by the end of it you're really kind of like exhausted by the industry um so i had a little bit more time to like foster that interest and see what i wanted from it um because i've honestly done so many different jobs in fashion too like mm. leading up to this point like i've worked in i did visual merchandising i worked in retail i worked sales i worked graphic design i've literally done like so many different things <laughs> um, so you know it's like sort of like figuring out like that i wanted to be here almost mm -hmm. you sure. know yeah what was That's your good. your favorite sector to work in obviously you're making clothes now so apart from that was it you know graphic design or retail or anything like that I was really into graphics. Uh, like, so that's basically what I used to do at Kith. Um, mm -hmm. The design process is a little bit different there. You have like, you, you have your construction sort of things, but there are a lot more like plug and play um, sort of situations where they had their t-shirt body or their hoodie body. And then from there, they're just sort of like developing the collaboration or, mm -hmm. you know, like finding new ways to sort of like bring two ideas together that you never thought could have happened <laughs> mm. i think my first project was tapping crunch <laughs> yeah that's our best and, ever performing tweet on our twitter is like the year is 2096 kith has finally run out of collabs after the recent <laughs> pringles collab lil yachty put that on his lil story, yachty right? put it that on his ig one? story yeah. that was big big moment for the project. yeah i i mean i think you know that that's probably part of the problem with streetwear in general <laughs> Yeah. Um, and probably part of the reason why I got tired of it too. Um, but graphics are super cool. It's like for somebody who's into like details and things like that, um, mm -hmm. it gives you sort of an outlet to do a little bit of both. Um, but in, in like, just as I said, like it's sort of limited in terms of like what you can do in a way. Sure. Um, so like, you know, once you have put a logo on things, you start to ask like what, more can I do with this idea um, than just that? Yeah. So like, and, and as you see now, like a lot of my clothes don't have a label, like a logo on them. So it's not like, you know, it's not something that I like to have be on live on the outside of my clothing. But like, I designed my website, or I like I designed all of my labels and all those things. And I think that the skills are very applicable in terms of like thinking about like how you want your brand. To be perceived or like you know what sorts of you know like I use Helvetica like there are other brands that use Helvetica you know that sort of thing so mm -hmm. sure um, but yeah very nice 
So speaking more about your brand, uh, it started off with you making one-offs for friends and it eventually turned into a full line, like Saul said, around 25 plus pieces. Uh, have the pieces that you've created been ones that you've made before in your current line or are you experimenting with new silhouettes or types of clothes that you haven't tried before? Um, it, it's a mixture for this first okay. collection at least. Um, so the overshirt was the first shirt I made in school. Um, the cropped puffer jacket was my first final. Um, oh, nice. It's, it, it's changed a little bit over time, but like it's basically the same jacket. Um, How'd you so do like, in the final? <laughs> I, I, I was one of the ambitious ones. <laughs> um, so, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen Goose Down in person, but like basically it goes everywhere as soon as you <laughs> mm-hmm. open the bag. Uh, it's not like normal feathers. They're, they're basically so lightweight that they just, you can inhale them even. Um, oh gosh. So like in, in the studio, I was the asshole. Like there was just like, shit everywhere and like you know like I don't know it was it was a mess but um I did really well in that final (laughs) I didn't I think my professor actually really didn't think that this puffer jacket was going to happen um but like I don't know other than that like I've made like the Naragi in school that was like one of my first projects I think that was technically my wrap skirt uh I think I made I made the fleece liner jacket in school, but everything else was basically new. So cool. the trousers were new. Um, the puffer, the puffer like long coat was new. Everything else was new. And I basically just like developed it while I was in quarantine. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's like, that's part of the fun with just like having your, like having your time to like be hands-on is that you're basically just like, it's like being in the studio for school except you have no grade you have no like sort of format in that way and you don't have mm-hmm. to think about like a prompt um so like for, instead of making a shirt because I really needed to make a shirt it's like okay like what do I what do I really see myself wearing or what do I mm-hmm. see myself applying so like I brought in everything that I thought was like made sense for this collection and just added the things that I felt like were necessary you know mm-hmm absolutely yeah build it out make it yeah down. i mean like i think the puffer coat was the first thing that i made in, in quarantine um mm-hmm. and it was basically a reaction to the fact that while i was in school i really struggled with my coat so i really wanted to make a new coat that mm-hmm. i felt like did that justice and like could be like my version of that um oh, nice so you know other things that I came up with were a similar sort of idea where I just, I had wanted to do it while I was in school and maybe just ran out of time, you know? For sure. Makes total sense. Yeah. So you've mentioned growing up in DC, your friends, um, you know, getting into that kind of sneaker culture. Um, You've mentioned in some interviews that like vintage outdoors wear was pretty influential to the scene in DC. Um, And so you know, with your background in that and your background at, you know, all these different places and your hand in all these different pots, how do you incorporate your own identity into your work? Um, I think that's sort of like the, that's the easy part for me. Mm. Um, you know, like I feel like, you know, when I worked at Bodhi, for example, like it wasn't like, 
when you're there you just feel like you want to wear Bodhi all the time <laughs> you know for example like it's like something where I feel like I was constantly like the person who was wearing whatever the hell I wanted to wear whether that be like a, a like a bunch of vintage stuff or like mm -hmm. you know something that I bought off grilled or something that I made um so like it's almost really hard for me to go in the other direction uh I feel like even when I'm making things, it just not to say that it comes a little bit more naturally to think about myself or like what I would be interested in. But like, mm -hmm. um, you know, part of the way that I like to think about like uh, designing clothes is just that like you make stuff that like sort of resonates with you and you just hope that everybody else gets it too. Sure. <laughs> Like, and that's, that's, I, I feel like in the same way that I was saying earlier that like, I'd like to be able to test drive my stuff, like, regardless of what it is, you can guarantee that at the end of me making it, I'm going to put it on and decide whether it's like something that's um, good enough. And I, I think that that's like the best for me, that's the best barometer, um, even for women's wear, I, I sort of like to think about it in a weird way I think about it like if I were a, a woman like what would mm -hmm. I think was really cool right now or really relevant right now um for sure yeah. makes total sense <laughs> yeah I don't know sorry to like <laughs> no worries I feel like I'm, feel, I'm like ending the question basically. oh no no worries at all <laughs> not at all your answers have been excellent so far yeah. um Continue. I mean, we've spoken a little bit about the quarantine shopping. We all bought way yeah. too many clothes during quarantine. Yeah. Classic move. What is your favorite and least favorite quarantine pickups? Um, so I was just thinking about this. I I bought a pair of Cortez that were from like the 80s or 90s that I've been really oh, cool. into. Um, it's basically like a colorway that I haven't seen uh, recently. It's just like basically all black. And the swoosh is the only thing that's white on it. Ooh, um, okay. I think that right right now they have like an iteration that's like a little bit more. It's like got a little bit more white play, basically. Mm -hmm. um, but um, those are some of my favorite things. Uh, this T-shirt is a great thing that I bought. Um, what else have I gotten? I've <laughs> I've got some like furniture and home goods that I really like. Uh, oh, cool. Yeah, I bought some sconces for my studio that are like probably like top five purchases, just bar none. <laughs> um, but yeah, things that I didn't like, I bought some things, I bought some home goods that just didn't work. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> it's just me like sifting through eBay for like hours on out. Um, eBay remains so slept on by the the fashion community. Everyone writes it off because back in the day it was just full of fake Jordans and stuff. But yeah, now I it's mean, like it's yeah, so cool. You still now. get the fakes. You still get yeah. the fakes or the things that aren't sized properly. I bought mm -hmm. a pair of Prada America's Cup recently. Okay, you know the 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 classic sneakers. Yeah, that they the, do, the, the all time like, classics. I found a pair that were like so beautiful they're like light brown with like a green mesh and they were velcro and i thought oh these are sick pradas usually run big i'm gonna order a size down i got them they're tiny they're like oh, no. women's shoes <laughs> they're like women's shoes so that was one that like was re i really fucked 
up on. I should have asked more questions or whatever, but um, I think that's probably my biggest fail of, <laughs> of all of, <laughs> of all of the purchases, but like, really like it's been, you know, it's been pretty money. I don't know. I feel like I've gotten some good stuff. <laughs> yeah. What about you guys? What have you gotten over quarantine? Um, my favorite, I ended up X actually buying two pairs of them, but uh, from Raf's time at Calvin Klein, his boots, I just fell in love with. Uh, and with I the big, of, the big steel toe. The, yeah. The uh, these are the smaller <laughs> cab. I actually have them right here next to me. I'll grab them. Um, they're a turquoise patent leather and they're just a really beautiful shape um if you're a even able to see them. and then they have the little mirrored toe you can take fit pics right in your toe um, <laughs> you still haven't done that favorites. you have to get on that john i gotta just i haven't worn them outside i just haven't had the opportunity yet <laughs> um, just, you just hold them up <laughs> i just look at them you know they're they're really pretty <laughs> and i bought two pairs of them because i was like well if I wear through one, I'm going to have an extra, but I have listed the pair that I have one pair that's a little small on me and I've listed that one on grail, but worst pickup. I actually got another pair of the Levi's 517s, but they were from a different decade. I think they were from the 2000s and they were so tight in the thighs compared to the 80s ones. It blew my mind. Like, I don't know. That that's just uh, like, because I would think the 80s ones would be tighter actually yeah you'd think but yeah the newer ones they got way tighter in the thighs um so i mean my legs aren't even that big i don't think but um man they i could barely get into them and they were they were my size the gym right now quadzilla hey, that was my biggest <laughs> quarantine pickup was teaching myself how to dunk that was that was, that was the number one that was pretty great <laughs> you tie yourself uh, or you always Saul and i got a, obsessed with uh jump training from like may <laughs> to july we would do it every other day every yeah keep up on each other because Saul is in new york and i'm in michigan so okay. we'd keep up make sure each other we're doing the workouts and by like mid-july i i was finally able to dunk and that was wow. <laughs> big moment i'm sure i can't anymore but that was that was massive it in a game or what are we talking? Oh, just in my driveway <laughs> on, on the driveway. <laughs> no, in a game, I, I doubt I could pull it off, but. Was anybody yeah. there? Did, did, I, I got, did it, on got it on video. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's proof. There's proof. That, there's that proof. would have been really sad. I think, you know, you do that and you just look around and you're. I promise guys, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> trying to share that experience with everybody. I used to be able to do it in, in high school and I don't, I don't think I can anymore. I think I'm fucked. Like uh, my yeah. knees are messed up. And <laughs> yeah, I destroyed my left knee playing football in high school. So I'm tall too. So people look at me probably and think I'm able to dunk with ease, but finally pulled it off this past summer. <laughs> yeah. Me and me and my brothers were always jealous of people that were already tall. Cause we were like, you know, I'm five ten, and uh like we all had pretty decent verticals but sometimes when you're when you're that tall it doesn't really matter <laughs> um dunking at 510 is a flex though dunking at yeah, 510 is a giant and, flex that's a huge yeah, i'm six I, five and i just was able to do it this summer <laughs> i could hang rim and then like occasionally dunk but like that yeah. was that was best that was a really good fucking day <laughs> oh i can imagine <laughs> 
but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> oh, let's let's hear your your best and worst pickup of quarantine. Uh, worst is easy. I got this vintage blazer from this seller in Japan who had it marked as a forty-eight. I was like, oh great, like perfect my size, and I got it, and I think it's like a child's forty-eight. Like I, oh. I, my girlfriend couldn't fit into it. Yeah. Um, it's tiny. And then I was really mad and I tried to get a refund and they were like, unless you want to ship it back to Japan, we're not giving you a refund. So that was great. Um, yeah. It's not selling. I mean, like it's, it's like a vintage blazer for like $50, you know, it's not exactly yeah. people lining up for it. Um, yeah, you might have to you might have to eat that one. Yeah, yeah. Suiting's tough on Grail because there's so much like twenty five, so many twenty five dollar blazers yeah. from who knows when. Yeah. Uh, best pickup. Uh, I'm trying to think about things that I wear like every single day. Um, uh, no, I, I'm trying to think about things that I bought during quarantine that I wear every day and I'm drawing a bit of a, Oh, I got this word every day. I've never worn my boots outside and they're my favorite. Um, I got, um, a DVD if he wears it. (laughs) Fit picks will, will absolutely be spread all around social media, (laughs) putting it on the pod. I'm posting it on the pod. Just my own fit pick. I, I'd be fine with that. Um, no, my favorite is a Yoji Yamamoto sweater. It's got it's it's a turtleneck sweater. It's got like bats all over it. Um, oh yeah, that one's crazy. It's great. My problem is it's in Boston, so every time I want to wear it, I'm like, oh, I'm I'm not there right now, so I can't. You're a traveling <laughs> um, man. Yeah, I need to bring that back down. Um, You're running out of time, man. It's <laughs> it's, it's starting it's to get nice too out. Too heavy right? though. It's not too heavy. Okay. Like I could wear it through like late march all right <laughs> what era is it from do you know it's i think it's like mid 2000s okay. i believe it's not 90s yeah. i i wrote the date somewhere i thought it was 07 but i'm not sure it's so okay. sick the, the graphic on it it's yeah i'd like, like to see that one that's right yeah it's uh yeah i think yoji's knitwear is probably it's like probably his best thing personally mm. yeah um you could say it's his tailoring and stuff like that but like the the sweaters from like the 90s into the 2000s are like all money for oh, yeah. to, for today to, to, to like today's standards too like you know they have they're all really graphic and sort of yeah. weird in a way and i'm sure yeah. back then they weren't really hidden but like now it's like something different I'm obsessed with those. What are the cyborg 009 sweaters yeah. that he did? Those are like the coolest things I've ever seen. And they, they're so hard to get your hands mm-hmm. on. People who have them know what they have. And prices <laughs> are insane on those now. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. not a good time trying to buy those anyway. <laughs> well, you've got a bunch of people just like you um, who are bored and scrolling on grill looking for that exact thing. So yeah, it's been You're my number one hobby during quarantine. <laughs> buying things <laughs> buying clothes catastrophic for the wallet yes <laughs> it has been but rough talking about buying selling you know vintage things like that you've been very outspoken about moving away from fast fashion and you've also expressed interest in made to wear not only for your own brand but as a whole um like in the fashion industry um like do you think that this is achievable for the fashion industry um good question i honestly couldn't tell you it's it's been like sort of a 
a test of like how it works over the course of just starting out. Um, mm -hmm. There have been things that I've been able to de deliver really fast, but in the in the times where, uh, you know, something goes wrong in production or there is a delay, it does make it a little bit more difficult. Mm -hmm. um, I think that, you know, the interesting thing about it is that um, a lot of people are actually really patient um that's good you know i was a little bit concerned uh going into the whole thing because i thought you know there there always are a few people who just like aren't with it or they don't really understand the whole concept of having to wait and i think that um you know in in today's climate a lot of people don't really enjoy that sort of thing but um you know i tried to build it into you know the conversation is that basically when you order something uh, what ends up happening is I turn to my factory immediately after and I say, hey, like, I just got another order on that and like, let's get started. And so like every step of the way, like if somebody were to send me an email and say like, hey, like what's going on with my product, I could just basically give them a real time update from the factory. That's nice. Which, which I think is kind of cool. But like some people, you know, like it really varies person to person. So I, here's here's what I think about it is that um, for so long, like the fashion industry has been operating at this like sort of catastrophic, bad like trajectory where everything has been like overproduction or um, even when things go on sample set, it's just like sort of like waste in every sense of the word. Mm -hmm. You know, we make we make too much stuff. We uh, don't even wear that much stuff on a regular basis yeah. but we all want to like look the coolest or the the most current and I think that it's kind of like a a never-ending cycle that came to a halt during the quarantine mm -hmm. um and I think a lot of people are being forced to sort of reevaluate that sort of idea mm -hmm. um you know with regards to like how the calendar works um that's sort of like part of the discussion is like is this something where like I just take pre-orders for the next season like uh in the coming seasons I'm going to be a little bit closer to what the calendar is and like mm -hmm. is that a model that's more sustainable um I don't really know but I just think that um it's something that we like need to try things out to figure out like where we're going basically mm -hmm. and like how we can think a little bit more sustainably while buying the clothes that we really like you know yeah um you know i don't you, i really oh. go ahead i was gonna say what have you thought about certain brands like breaking away um i was it jw anderson that was like we're not being beholden to the fashion calendar anymore we're just gonna release when we release yeah a couple of brands did that in the last year yeah i'm really curious to see how it goes i think that the thing with some of these big companies is that they can afford to do that and like mm. it sounds cool for them sure you know if i break from the calendar nobody fucking cares at this point like i'm not i'm not big enough yet for that to matter um so like you know when you have big companies say like we're not doing that anymore it's like sort of to like almost act as if they're doing something that's like sort of groundbreaking in a way mm -hmm. um but like the truth is is that a lot of these wholesale accounts is what uh that's sort of what drives the calendar anyways is because they buy on a certain schedule. So mm -hmm. they allocate, they allocate their budgets before the season 
and they buy so that when the product is hitting the store, it's like fall, winter delivers in August so that by the time people are actually starting to think about like, you know, cold weather clothes, it's already mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. um, so if I were, when I delivered this current season, it's a little bit weird because you get people ordering things that like, maybe it's on the end of the season. So like, if I get mm -hmm. a puffer jacket order today, um, that person is going to get their puffer jacket and it's going to be warm outside, you know? Yeah. Or it's going to be on its way to being warm. So like that, that's, that's part of the convenience of like having the calendar be something that you follow. But mm. um, I do understand, I think that like in the past, um, you know, in my previous job experience at Bodie, like there were a lot of situations where you are trying to produce things to like land um, with the calendar and it, mm -hmm. it it does get very difficult. Like the timeline is, even though it's longer, it, it doesn't seem like enough. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I think that just as I'm trying things out, I think a lot of places are just going to try to have, have to wait and see what works in terms of like their delivery schedules and like how they want to show their collections. Um, I've even thought like it could be cool to just like do like little like capsule sort of things just mm -hmm. so that you know you're doing something and you're keeping consistent but maybe you're not as tied to think the calendar as you used to be so you know yeah. it's a work in progress I think um for sure yeah yeah especially being early into your stage as a solo designer it's something that I'm sure will be tailored no pun intended as your, <laughs> as your career moves forward oh yeah Siri apparently heard me say that <laughs> i mean i think that um i think the best thing about being a small designer right now is like just like i said like nobody really really cares at this stage so like i can i can afford to try things out and take a little bit more risk like i showed my fall winter 20 collection in september yeah. And that's not on calendar. <laughs> so, um, you know, like, and it, it seemed to do fine in that way. Like, I think that I wasn't totally held back by it, but there were some things that I think that I would change. So I think next season, I'll probably think about that a little bit more. For sure. Yeah. Uh, continuing to speak about made to wear fast fashion, how do we get people more involved and passionate about responsibly made clothing? Um, I think it's just about, I think it's about information. Um, sure. so like take your big fast fashion places, like, you know, H&M is the big one that mm -hmm. people love talking about. Zara is another big one. Um, when, when places like that, even Urban Outfitters today is starting to become more and more fast fashion. Yeah. Um, if people really understood the, the process by which these companies worked, I think they would be a little bit less likely to buy from them. Yeah. Um, so like one of the biggest deterrents to people buying things is price. So mm -hmm. like if you as a consumer were to take the time to understand what it costs to make one garment, you know, like uh, like a puffer jacket, for example, just to keep using that, that same example, um, you would begin to understand why it's priced at a certain level instead of like thinking that puffer jacket over there costs me $150. Mm -hmm. 
while this one over here costs me $1,000. Why would I ever buy the $1,000 one? Um, so like if you buy into that $150 one, the thing that you're missing from that experience is the knowledge that it's made respectfully. So like in a factory where their workers are paid well and where you can you know, assure that nobody's mistreated or that there are proper working conditions where you know, things are clean, um, you know, there's benefits involved, you know, all these, all these things come into play or where exactly the factory is, um, you know, like I haven't made things in China yet, like a lot of places that are able to charge lower amounts can do that because they're making things in countries where the cost of operating their business is so low that basically they don't really care. They can charge $100 per jacket or, you know, $50 per jacket. And I think that mm -hmm. that's another aspect of things. Um, fabrication is another thing. Um, so when you buy into something like that, like if you're, if you're paying for the cheaper one, the chances are you're, you're, you're also paying for a cheaper fabric that may have a little bit less functionality. And we've all been there. We've all bought something in the past where it does look cool in the moment, but then five, you know, three months later, maybe even less, the thing starts falling apart and you're like, oh, this is, this is a cheap piece. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's cheap. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't hold up with wear. And I think that that's something that you're guaranteeing by spending more money. And I also think that the other thing is overproduction. So like sure. when, when, the other thing that affects your production costs um, that a lot of consumers don't realize is that the higher the amount that you produce, the cheaper the production cost is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So like if I make 50 units versus if I make 100 or if I make 200, yeah. um, if I make 1,000 units of that piece, it gets cheaper and cheaper every step of the way, which makes your profit margin just grow and grow and grow. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, to break that down a little bit, I think that, um, you know, if you're going to Urban Outfitters and you buy that jacket that, you know, might be basically a copy of a high end uh, runway sample. Um, we've seen it happen before from Zara. We've seen it happen from H&M. We've seen it happen from Urban Outfitters. Yes. Um, you, you, you're getting the experience of being in fashion, which is, you know, for some people like that's, that's, that's a good thing. And I think that you know, it is cool that it, it's, it becomes more accessible for people who are, um, you know, need the cheaper price point. Um, but if you think about how many they made in the process and say, okay, they made 20,000 units of this jacket just so mm -hmm. that they can keep that price that low, what happens to, like, ask yourself, what happens to all of the units that don't sell? Because yeah. they're every season there are gonna be units that don't sell from places like that and this is something that people don't really like talking about but a lot of the times they get burned which burberry did that do they still do it do you know um i'm not sure about burberry i know i know a bunch of these places do it mm -hmm. like he, they don't talk about it but they do it and that's bad for the environment because of what yeah. it emits it's yeah. bad for the environment because you're basically wasting the resource yeah it's bad for the environment because of how it affects the people that had to make all those things 
so there's all these things that like sort of come into play and I think that um really what it takes is people just asking more questions about where their product comes from and like why the price is that way like if somebody were to email me tomorrow and ask me for a cost breakdown of my my clothes I would I would gladly give it to them yeah I, I mean like I think that if that's what you need if that's what you need to know in order to understand like you think I'm just like out here like grossly profiting off of things or something you know like it would just if, if, if that is what people need to help help them understand like mm. you know why it might be better to just like spend a little bit more save a little bit longer get that one thing that's going to last you for a long time because mm -hmm. uh, that's part of the conversation that I've been trying to have is you know you might need to spend a little bit more money to get that piece that is made sustainably or whatever but yeah. if you do that it's if you if it's well made and everything you can at least trust that you'll have it for a long time yeah and for sure you know i think that's better anyways um <laughs> so yeah, absolutely sure. yeah it comes back yeah. to the buy less buy better like yeah up the quality reduce the quantity and you'll probably oh. be happier with your wardrobe yeah the other thing is that you're thinking a little bit more about what you like in that process which a lot of people don't for really sure. want to do you know, they want to, they want to follow the trend. And I get that. It's like, it's way sexier to follow a trend than it is to just like, be like, I really like this like thing and nobody else gets it. <laughs> but me, like nobody else gets these patent leather Calvin Klein boots, but me, but like, I'm going <laughs> to, you know, like, I'm going to buy them anyways. Like that, that's a harder decision to make than the thing that like everybody's like, you know, vying for that, like you could maybe get on the cheap if you were, if you were savvy enough. Um, so like, I think that it, it basically is forcing people to think a little bit more about their personal style than it is, you know, you can't just buy something in passing each season and not think at all about it, you know? Mm -hmm. So really it, it's just about the time that you're spending on <laughs> your purchases and the information you have to like inform them, you know? Absolutely. At least people are buying vintage now to participate yeah. in a trend. At least that's the trend. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good that's, trend. That's a good, that's a good one. I'm into that. Um, I think people should buy more vintage. There's like, I guarantee like, you know, and this is one of the things that helped me get started, I think, is um, I stopped buying like new shit. Like I just stopped. So like the only times I would buy things were like, buying something that's old that I would want to reference because mm. um, where do you think all of these brands are getting these ideas from <laughs> you know like they just have people that are like digging through archives and looking for these reference pieces and sometimes they're exact copies you know of, of old things so like yeah. if you're if, if you're patient and you know what you're looking for I think you can almost always find the vintage thing that might even be better than whatever you buy now you know mm -hmm. yeah so you just mentioned some reference pieces and you actually may have picked some up like what are some of those reference pieces that you found or that you really you know covet um you know where or even who are some designers that you look for like vintage designers that you'll see and be like you know this person was um, doing doing it well so in the designer it's like different for both i guess um for designers i 
really look for, and this is probably really common, is um, Om Plus, mm. the Comme des Garçons. Um, they, I think for men's uh, silhouettes, they have, there were a lot of interesting things happening um, mm. just in terms of like, I don't, I don't really know like what went into some of these things and like what the concepts were because it's before my time even, but like, mm. I just think, um, you know, they were way ahead yeah. of, of, of what was happening at that time. And like, like even the things that I've bought from Om Plus has been that they've been things that I can wear and you don't even ask questions. They just, they look contemporary. And um, so like they're one, I look at Jean-Paul Gaultier um, that he's like, he's, he's the man, <laughs> you know, uh, like even before Marjola, there was him. And I think that that's like, to me, it's one of the best. Um, and then like 60s and 70s YSL mm. is uh, probably like something that people don't talk about enough. Um, the old, uh, that, the women's like Reeve Ghosh stuff is really cool. Yeah, that's, well, that's that's what I'm talking about here yeah. is that um, basically like, uh, you know, a, a lot of Celine from, the 90s and 2000s is just like a re redo of that stuff from the yeah it really it's it's like it's a redo on 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 the old ysl and i think that sometimes when people talk about ysl it gets kind of a weird rep um because uh you know maybe five ten years ago ysl was like in the heady slimane era, era it was like very trendy you know you got a bunch of people wearing like pointy Chelsea boots and tight jeans and people that really shouldn't be wearing either of those things. <laughs> uh, Rockstar shirts. So that was like all like, that's what people started to associate with YSL. But in back in the day, like they were the beginning sort of, of like sort of refined refinement uh, in design. And I'm not going to say the beginning. That's, that's, that's not true, but like they were one of the pioneers in that way. Um, there's a brand called, um, I don't want to give up too much, but there's a brand called Halston. That's one of my favorites um, from that. I guess they were big in disco era, like seventies and eighties. Uh, and they, they were like sort of, they're sort of a cult label that a lot of people reference these days, but um, okay. they went, they went out of business. So like, you know, 70s and the 80s were a crazy period of time, a lot of, <laughs> a lot of drugs, a lot of partying. And I think that basically like that label went with the time. And, um, you know, if you look at some of the best vintage dealers that sell like, you know, vintage designer clothing, Halston is usually one of them that's included. So mm. um, those are probably my tops, you know, include to also to include like, you know, Celine and things like that too, but everybody knows that stuff. And, um, but for vintage, I kind of like to look in different areas. Um, I think that that's kind of where you can bring some parody into the mix. You know, mm -hmm. like you talk to people about like, I hate this term so much, but high-low is, I hate it. <laughs> everybody likes high-low. It's like not like a new idea. It's not like, it's, it's not original. Uh, it's sort of like more about like what, what relationships you create with it. Mm -hmm. um, 
And I think that that's where like vintage pieces that haven't been referenced come into play because you can pair something that really wasn't meant to be on a runway mm-hmm. with something that really was meant to be on a runway. Sure. Um, so like I, I pull a lot of, you know, and this sort of experience and understanding of vintage partially comes from working with Bodie and like, you know, sort of getting a better idea of like what to look for. But, um, you know, like I pull from World War II, I pull from like, I pull from the 60s all the time because that's just one of my favorite eras. I pull from like, I don't know, there's there's so many different sort of uh, small subsections of like clothing that you just never really think to like use in addition to something that has been on a runway that like I think is typically what I look for. Um, I I guess I'm trying to think of what some of my favorite pickups were recently. Um, I have a pair of coveralls that I got from World War II that are crazy. <laughs> they come up to like here, you know, like oh, wow. mid chest. Yeah. And they're like made of this like the starchiest, like thick, heavy canvas that stand like, on their own. Never, yeah, you literally could stand them up. And I think that like the fit of them is like awesome. Like I I can't wait to make them. But um, you know, there's a lot of things like that. Like my puffer vest was based loosely based on a World War II um like I guess safety vest, like a life vest. Um, so I don't even know how that thing functioned. It's just, it was disgusting. It like might've had blood on it. I can't tell. I don't know, (laughs) but like, you know, that's sort of the fun with, um, finding pieces like that is because they've been through so much already and you can kind of take the things that you really like and like combine them with other ideas that you've already had. Um, and like, I mean, I, even to this, I, I pull from, 10 years ago 20 years ago too so like it's not all just extremely old shit it's like you can find like things from the 90s which is you know what I grew up on um I think that like that's sort of an interesting thing to do too is like something that I knew so well and like mixing that with some of those other influences that um I have so you know I think that the best one of the best things about creating in today's climate is that you have all the access to all of this stuff you know like in the 60s they didn't have that shit they they had libraries and they had like their own creativity and you know they didn't have the internet they didn't have all like you know like sometimes i'll just google one thing and just let the algorithm do its work and just work my way through images but like you know that's that's the beauty of it you can combine anything nowadays um so it's almost like a you know like in rap or something it's like sampling from like you know different eras basically i don't know that's awesome (laughs) yeah um talking about older clothes you know they're really built i think some of them especially like military stuff is built to kind of stand the test of time and you sure have obviously said you love wearing clothes to death. You're trying to buy better. Um, yeah. What are some pieces that you've gotten that you've, you know, have stood that test of time? And then what are some that you maybe thought would and then fell into pieces? <laughs> um, I don't know. Let's see. I I have been wearing this Margiela trench for a really long time. Ooh. Uh, it's, I can't remember what era it's from. I think it's from like the early 2000s. It's uh, iridescent, um, but it's like coming apart. 
at the seam so you can see basically what iridescence is is like they weave a shiny thread over top of another thread okay so like it okay. gives it an undertone basically um but over time this thing is just like started to fall apart so you can see the other thread coming out which is like kind of nice I, I i actually kind of like it okay but um that's something that i was wearing to death for a while um i had a pair of levi's that are i basically have retired i i did construction for a summer like after i left kith before i went to parsons and i basically made it my mission to destroy these jeans <laughs> um so, so i wore the same jeans every single day on the site just to see what would happen as sort of like an experiment and like you know the holes start from like maybe like mid thigh and go all the way down to like my like you know mid shin whoa and like there's all this weird like fading that's happened from you know cement mixing and stuff like that and maybe a couple of paint stains and I don't really think I can wear it like every single time I wear them another thread just like goes so so, so those are probably punished but like you know like I'm trying to think if there's anything else the stuff that I've made from school has like has has held up pretty well um like my first puffer jacket is still like it's it's still in existence to this day my girlfriend wears it more than i do now but um <laughs> that's something that i was wearing like basically every single day for a while because i was so proud of it but um yeah i don't know i i'm trying to think if there's anything else um yeah i don't know what are there anything I think that's that a pretty good list wear? yeah <laughs> I had a pair of, I, I've gotten, I've always been into denim and I had a pair of selvage denim um, that I wore. I worked on farms for like three months. I wore them every single day, you know, in college, things like that. I was like, I'm going to make these last. They're selvage denim, but I didn't <laughs> do that much research, much research on them. So they were like going in the washing machine and the dryer. And so those lasted for like a year and a half, which is pretty cool, but they, I, you know, like every seam on them just came apart basically. Um, and I have newer pairs that I treat a lot better, but, um, just something that I shockingly bought and expected to go through it really quickly were just like basic Uniqlo t-shirts. Um, I've had some Uniqlo t-shirts from like my freshman year of college and they've just stood up like, yeah, you know, they're just basic t-shirts. They were like $15 and I was like, I'll wear these for two years and they're still fine. No holes, like no fraying, nothing. Um, that was pretty cool, honestly. Yeah, think about it. Like one day it'll be 20, 20 50, and people will be like, yo, get this seven, this uh, 2020 Uniqlo. <laughs> it's crazy. Archive Uniqlo. <laughs> you don't know this. Yeah, I have my Uniqlo engineered garments fleece sitting in my closet <laughs> right now. That'll be a relic at some point. I, I think about that sometimes, and like I try to like think like what would be cool to hold on to because I buy like, I buy like 70s Hanes t-shirts a lot because yeah. I think it's the best fit of white t-shirt of all time. And like, like those things are probably like somebody keeping those over the years must have been the weirdest conversation. <laughs> it's this disgusting like white tee that's like falling apart and like 
nobody has any reason to keep but now if you sell like stuff like that you can make a you know a couple hundred bo- dollars like per per shirt yeah i think it's like it's old dudes like you know our grandfathers probably who buy them and they just sit in the bottom of a drawer oh, and yeah. then their family's like all right let's throw these out you know grandpa's not wearing them anymore and they go to goodwill and you find you know a hanes beefy tea for three dollars and yeah everybody yeah. Or, goes crazy. or your grandpa just like refuses to get rid of it yeah. <laughs> you know creatures that made grilling shirts yeah <laughs> i think um i think old people are like you know you want to talk about inspiration like there's so much like so much like i don't know you could say character i guess um Mm -hmm. that comes with old people that like i think is really interesting um and something that i pull from a lot is just like these people that like are thinking about comfort in a really weird way because they're like starting to get to the point in life where they need comfort more than they need like other things but they still hold on to random habits yeah so like my my grandpa was like he was like 98 years old when I was like a kid like he was really old but he was walking around regularly and he would wear like western button-ups tucked into these like shitty sweatpants and he was like so cozy (laughs) but like (laughs) Like, I have no idea why he was, he decided that this was like an acceptable outfit for him to wear around. (laughs) And then like, if we were to go out to dinner, he would like, it would be a suit. So like, there's certain things with old people that I think are like really funny. And I try to, like, I think that they are the true like dressing inspirations. (laughs) Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a consistent goal of mine to get to the age where I no longer have to worry about how I dress and I can just leave the house and like you know linen shorts and an <laughs> overcoat and a tie and a t-shirt and just be like listen I'm 82 nobody's gonna tell me anything <laughs> I feel like nowadays it would be welcome you know <laughs> you just gotta start I don't want people to think <laughs> I want when I'm 82 I want people to be like oh he's senile let's talk to him and I'm like fully in control I don't want people to see me now and be like oh he's senile you gotta flip the script when you get old you just start dressing really properly <laughs> <laughs> then people are like yo this guy's he's on another level for all oh. his life we thought he was he was crazy and now he's just oh. like dropping fits <laughs> my uh, my mentor rashid Silvera wakes up every day and he wears like a three-piece suit and an he's overcoat a and a hat and a matching scarf that matches his slit like he's he, one of the best he dresses every I've ever piece seen in his life. of ralph purple label that's ever existed he's got so <laughs> many he gave me a, a a limited run i've never seen one like it and i've now actively looked because i was like where the hell did he get this it's like an overcoat for a dog from ralph lauren purple label well he knows ralph so he probably had it made he knows him yeah it's it's ridiculous i didn't realize dog clothes were a thing pre like pre paris like era but (laughs) yeah i don't know where he got it it's from i think the 70s or the 80s um and it's like brand new and he just like he had it he was like oh you have a dog now here take this and i was like (laughs) (laughs) why first of all you've never had a dog why do you own this just in case. Yeah, you never know. <laughs> Preparing. You could still get one. You never know. <laughs> it's true. You might have to give that back someday, Saul. 
Yeah, he'll be like, yo, uh, <laughs> you're not. The dog coat this. was a rental. <laughs> I need it back. <laughs> so, Connor, uh, you are in the fashion design space. Talking about your colleagues and uh, fellow designers, who are some designers to look out for and who are some that you admire? Ooh. Um, <laughs> I feel like there's so many. Uh, shit, you're catching me off guard with this one. Um, man, that's a tough question right now. Well, if you don't have an answer, <laughs> then we have to plug in Philip Pline as the only yeah. option. Yeah, Philip Pline is he does whatever the fuck he wants, I'll give him that much. Um, he has an Instagram <laughs> for his house he's building. It's really Chateau interesting Falcon to just go View. look at. It's called Chateau Falcon that, View. Yeah, I didn't realize the house was still in progress, but I think it you will know, be I, for I, like the next ten years. It's here, like disgustingly huge. That. Yeah, here's what I'll say about that. I think it's pretty hilarious that somebody is so uninterrupted. You know? <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, absolutely. I, I wish I had that. <laughs> <laughs> I things life would be a lot easier I think if you just felt like you could do like whatever on whatever you wanted you know like he has a Ferrari in the middle of the store that is like all mirrors and bright neon lights it's pretty sick I got mad at him for posting his Ferrari on his Instagram because they thought he did not yeah Ferrari sent him a cease and desist because they thought his post did not align with their brand values. So they told oh. Philip Klein to stop posting pictures of his own Ferrari that he paid for. I don't know if that's enforceable, but I, I applaud them for trying. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I, I like um, I like Bianca Saunders. She's a cool one. Um, I like, uh, let's see. Shit, who's up and coming? Like that's that's the big sort of question i like 18 east isn't really up and coming anymore like they have interesting yeah. work i wear my grecky pants like three times a week <laughs> yeah they're i think they're really cool um oh, shit i like wills bonner uh she's like our era's like i think our era's phoebe sort of but you know not to give her that <laughs> That, that title but I think that she's like sort of like on that sort of plane and I think that um you know she's at a point where every single collection is something to look forward to um mm-hmm. shit yeah I I'll, I'll continue to rattle off as I as I can think of <laughs> more designers yeah. um oh who's the oh, what's your what's your name what's your name let me let me figure this out. <laughs> um, this is that dead air that y'all were talking about. Uh, when it comes to- <laughs> no worries, no worries. It just adds to the anticipation for the listener. Mm-hmm. We hope um, everyone at home is enjoying so far. They, they can wait. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna. I'm, I'm gonna put this question on hold for a minute until I yeah, call something good. else. Yeah. <laughs> so who are some creatives, whether that be models, photographers, other designers, people like that in or out of the fashion world that you'd like to work with um, in your own brand? Um, 
I guess that's something that I'm starting to figure out right now. Um, like, I'll, like I, I've been saying this a lot. Uh, and one of the interesting things about like starting your own thing, especially in the realm of clothes, is that like, okay, like if y'all were to start a label tomorrow, like individually, mm-hmm. y- you both have probably thought extensively about your own wardrobe (laughs) extensively about like clothing but like you're it's like when you start your own label you're starting to think about things that you've never considered in regards to clothing so like uh in the realm of like photography for example um like I had never really given a lot of thought to like what sort of photography I liked a lot um Mm. that being said like the photographer that I worked with on my first collection was great uh, he's an up and comer. Uh, this guy Yashidai Owens does incredible work with uh, like an old, um, it's like a 60s uh, film camera that he works with. And like that's, that's what he did with my video with. Um, it's like a Super 8 uh, film camera, basically. Uh, he does incredible work. I just spoke to these guys, uh, they're twins from Brazil. Uh, they're called Duramel. Um, they've started to make a name for themselves, it seems, and they do incredible work. Um, so guys like that are really awesome. And like all throughout this entire process of me trying to figure out who I'd want to work with, um, you know, part of the conversation for me is leveling up other Black creatives. So a lot Absolutely. of the people that I'm trying to find to work with are like people of color, minorities, um, in some sort of way. Um, but yeah, so Duramel is one of them. Um, I mean, like the guy who's really like doing a bunch of crazy billboards and like ads right now is Eve Kamara. Mm. His work is pretty incredible. He's worked with um, up and coming designers and done some pretty big shoots for like Vogue and stuff like that. Um, the, I guess the things that I'd like to do more of, uh, I have, been doing a little bit of work with Herman Miller and I think that that's been like a great sort of conversation piece for me and like I love interiors (laughs) like it's probably like you know when I'm looking on eBay for clothing samples and things like that I'm also looking at I'm just constantly looking at different types of furniture and different types Mm -hmm. of architecture and I think that um just in terms of like creating a visual language it sort of like adds to the idea of like what your clothing represents Mm -hmm. um so like in addition to Herman Miller like I look into a lot of things like this guy Mies van der Rohe is incredible um this guy Corbusier is like he's the guy from the 30s to the 50s that basically just ran shit um from France and I think that like you know, I want to like incorporate more things like that into my brand just because I feel like it really creates an entire picture of things that I'm interested in personally. Mm -hmm. Um, In terms of like things like styling and things like that, I'm still starting to figure that out. Um, But like for partnerships, I've just started to make like a list of like collaborations that I would just love to have. And I mean, like I would love to work with Nike. I've talked about that before. Um, But like, I would love to do things like, you know, work with Sergio 
Tashini or like Lacoste, you know, like heritage brands like that mm. would be so sick or like an Umbro um, brands like that or like brands like Laura Piana would be really cool to work with um, or like uh, Missoni, you know, to kind of go on the higher end, like yeah. sort of more uh, luxe end of things. Um, but like, yeah, it's, it's like all like, it's it sort of reaches far for me. I'm just like interested in, at this point, I'm really interested in people that are interested. <laughs> so like, if somebody's like trying to have a conversation about working together, I'm pretty like, you know, I'm pretty open mm-hmm. um, to like, even things that we haven't even considered yet, somebody who's up and coming, trying things that are new, you know, I've had people reach out like that. And I think that that's like, that's almost more interesting than some of those big name things, just because Mm -hmm. like, just six months ago, I was that. So like, I think that like, you know, in terms of creating what's right now and like what people are gonna look back on and like we talked about 2050, you know, like, I think that that stuff is happening right now. So like, you know, it's, it is about creating something that's current. And I think that that's really interesting Um, in terms of like, I don't know, like even like celebrities, like I, I follow all the same people that like (laughs) these, you know, all the same people that menswear people follow. Like, (laughs) I think Tyler is, is cool, you know, Mm -hmm. even, even more so on his entire, like, presence than just his music even um yeah and i think that there's become there's more and more people like that these days you know that you're seeing uh like zoe kravitz yeah is one of those people too is just like adding to like you know they act maybe they do other things but they have like sort of an iconic idea happening you know yeah um so searching for icons right (laughs) Most definitely. <laughs> Quick question. Did you say you have a cutoff at 2 p.m.? Um, I am easy, but like I probably can't stay on for too long. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah. I just wanted to just wanted to we'll, gauge we'll wrap that. Wrap it up around Make there. sure, make okay. sure we uh, don't make you late for any appointments or anything like that. Um, <laughs> yeah. We don't have a ton of questions left, but um, looking at pieces maybe you've acquired maybe you have yet to acquire what are some of your grails uh that could be in fashion furniture anything like that cars Ooh. i am uh i'm in the market for a couch right now you know <laughs> yeah i've been i've been really into this guy he's this italian designer from 70s 80s this guy vico magistretti He's got the best leather couches. Forget about it. They're like, <laughs> <laughs> they're so good. Um, that's that's a grail for me right now. Uh, clothing, strangely, I've been really out of touch with, which is not like me. But um, like, I have a couple of grails that I've finally gotten. Uh, I got this like this. Uh, it's called the ballistic jacket from Combe, uh, Combe des Garcons. It's checkerboard. It's black and brown checkerboard. Um, And it's made out of, it's made out of this sort of like, uh, I want to say it's waxed cotton of sorts. Um, I don't remember what year it's from. It's, it's really fucking old, like maybe like late nineties, early two thousands, if I had to guess, but 
that's one that was big on my list that I crossed off. And then I finally got a pair of Margiela square toes a year or two ago. And those are like, you want to talk about things that I've worn to death. Like I've, I've been beating those to shit since I got them. <laughs> um, and, but like in terms of new, like, I don't really know. Um, like I'm sort of just like trying to go a little bit more off the beaten path these days. Uh, For sure. Just, you know, I feel like it'd be really easy to buy like anything Prada sport, <laughs> you know, like that stuff is like an obvious favorite because like I think a lot there's a lot of overlap for me uh, in what I make and like stuff that they made in the 90s and early 2000s with Prada Sport but I think that um you know like I, I'm always on the hunt for like like maybe things that I could sample but change you know for sure um, but yeah in other realms I don't really know <laughs> that's awesome yeah so big question very open-ended so take take it where you will where do you go for inspiration right so is it like a store that you frequent to find pieces to quote is it you know are you just surfing through the web looking there um is it people is it books like where are you getting inspiration to create um i guess I, i i do buy a lot of books um, I watch a lot of old films. So, uh, you know, even throughout quarantine, I was really into the aesthetics from French New Wave. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't have a Criterion channel account, you should get one. It's one of the best things I've, I've done just because like there's so much to pull from uh, in old films, uh, mm-hmm. even if it's in a different era or if it's a different country or whatever. Um, it's all on there so like you can kind of just like take what you please but uh, I've started to you know draw some common threads between things uh, from the 60s and 70s that I'm really into and so like some of these uh, directors from that era like Eric Romare and Jean-Luc Godard uh, were aesthetically really in line with some of the things that I like um and so i'll pull from things like that um i have been trying to collect you know like more like whether it be like old photographer books you know or old um architecture books and things like that just because i think that there are things that even on more of like a sort of experimental wave like you can pull from that aren't like it's not just pulling from another piece of clothing mm-hmm. um, because like part of my, I think part of my process is very like sort of not spontaneous, but just like I'm testing things out as I go or thinking about like changes that I'd like to make as I go. And like, that's where some of that information comes into play is like me, like understanding like, okay, like it could be cool to like, I don't know, like, curve this line or like you know make just try something else like in reference to like a building or reference to like you know a still life or something like that or like you know just like trying to bring in some of those influences that aren't clothing because Mm -hmm. I think that um you know while it is easy to pull from other stuff like 
there's so much more to like that sort of design in my opinion um because that's where you get the things that you've never seen yeah um so you know like I don't know like where else specifically that I've been looking, but like I, another thing is like, I'm really influenced by like my own day to day. So like things like my routine and, and like, uh, like during quarantine that changed or like what I was doing a year ago was different from like what it is even right now. And I think that um, when you're thinking about like, clothing that you want to wear every day uh i think routine is something that uh does come into play a lot is like mm -hmm. understanding what like what works and what doesn't um yeah. almost on a functional level um so that's definitely been something that i've been thinking about like right now just in this moment of time like you know you can't wear your boots inside um you know and there are a lot of things like considerations in terms of like people's wardrobes that are more comfort based or more like I just need to walk my dog, you know, or something like that. For sure. But I still, I still kind of want to like wear something that I like. Um, and I think that that's going to be something that continues to guide me even as the times change. So like, even as we're not in quarantine, like, you know, what happens during the summertime could be uh, really interesting because it represents a different period of time or like a, a new historical moment, you know, like, or you know, something in something interesting and new that we haven't talked about yet. So um, it's sort of more those things, I think, that really come into play in my ideas, because I like to think about my clothing as sort of like a, a like a, a representation of my perspective on a moment, you know, a moment in time or like, what's happening right now, you know, most definitely. Yeah. yeah. Excellent that answer. Sense, yeah. <laughs> I suppose this is another open-ended question. We're coming down to the yeah, end. Yeah. This is our, our huh? third to last one. What's next for you? Whether that be fashion, just creative creativity as a whole, where are you headed? <laughs> um, well, I would like to keep doing this. Uh, so <laughs> as long as Good. people, as long as people want to hear what I have to say, I'll keep making stuff. Um, but I'm basically in the process of making my next collection right now. Um, as I mentioned before, I'm like trying to figure out like where that comes into play with the calendar and whatever, but I uh, am trying to do something for basically like next month. Um, yeah. That's going to be on the smaller side. Uh, it's, you know, a lot of the same, some new, um, but like, you know, just, basically tightening up some of the first ideas that I already had. Uh, one of the things that you get from making things is as soon as you release it, you, all you can see is all the things that are wrong. <laughs> um, so like, you know, like immediately, you know, I talked to my dad a bunch about this and he was just like, just finish, finish the fucking collection, you know, just do it. And then like, you can figure out what you'd like to, like what the next step is yeah. after. And he's, it, it's really true. You really like, you're guided by that experience of like understanding what you really hated and what you really liked, um, which I guarantee if you ask any designer, like after they release something, 
what it was that they liked and what it is that they would have a whole list of things you know sure. like there's no such thing as true satisfaction in that way which I guess is kind of sad but like I think that's what helps you go to the next thing yeah. um so this first next thing is going to be kind of like just tightening some ideas uh that I had in the first collection and maybe some things that didn't make it uh, I did run out of time um for some of my ideas and then the following collection for the spring that I'm looking towards uh, I've already started to try to plan for both uh is gonna be a lot of new of what I think could be like you know like sort of the evolution of my first my first collection um I've never really made a true spring collection like even in school like I always leaned fall winter because it's it's easier <laughs> uh, you know everybody likes stressing for fall and winter because you've got so much more to play with mm -hmm. um so in that way designing a spring summer collection is somewhat of a challenge it's like you have way less clothing <laughs> and I think most people just on to be honest just wear t-shirts and shorts or the same pair of jeans every single day just because when it gets hot it's hot you don't want to sweat in clothes every day like you don't want to do that yeah. so like um I really want to try to figure out what it is that like could be something that's applicable to like spring because I've never really thought about it <laughs> before this moment and I think that like you know there's something there's something there and I think that if you do a I have seen like, you know, some of my favorite designers do a spring collection where I'm like, wow, that's, yeah. that's incredible. And like, it makes sense for that season, but like, you know, tapping into what that is for, for my uh, sort of perspective is something that I haven't done yet. So um, that's, you know, coming and, you know, I really would like to work with more people. So I think that that's um, something that's on the horizon as, you know, I do start, start to get out there is, um, you know, just learning how to collaborate with people. Um, you know, in collaboration, you also try things and do things that you've never thought to do on your own just because sure. you're working through somebody else's perspective too. So mm -hmm. um, that's, I guess, all I can see for right now is just to continue making collections, keep making clothes. Uh, it would be cool to make try making a piece of furniture one day but we'll see how that goes <laughs> um but yeah well we're super excited to see what's next for you yeah yeah speaking about what's next and kind of down the road what's your goal in the world of fashion do you have one um i don't know i, I so i think that uh one of the thing, one of the main reasons i'm doing this um to be honest is like, just because I don't think that there's enough minority representation in the industry right now. Mm -hmm. um, like even coming into, even coming into the industry and all those different paths that I took along the way, um, I frequently found that I was maybe one of the few in the room or like in the rare situation where there were enough, it was one of the better experiences that I had. Mm -hmm. um, so like in running, into this wall of like employment like I feel like I was you know you know in the middle of the movement and all these things happening at the same time mm -hmm. where it feels like a juncture where 
society is sort of gearing up to change a lot. Um, yeah. I just, I really want to keep promoting different perspectives. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that like, it's less about my perspective specifically than it is for like the next group of designers that are coming up that are minorities to have more people to choose from. So like right now there's people like Kirby, people like, um, people like Bianca Saunders and people like, you know, Virgil even, or like uh, Samuel Ross who are like um, sort of helping to pave that way. Um, the only thing that I feel like I'm doing in regard that's more personal is like just creating another lane, hopefully, mm-hmm. you know, because I think that um, a lot of the times with when there are very few minorities in a conversation, uh, it's more likely for people to get pigeonholed keep going, keep going. Uh, into certain, uh, you know, sort of pre-existing roles that people have uh, set out for themselves. So like, you know, I feel like my background is probably different from all those people that I just named. And, yeah. you know, like if there's somebody who's a little bit more like me, maybe it would ease up uh, on their conversation later down the road. So mm-hmm. um, that's more my goal than anything is to just like keep helping to push the conversation. And, you know, I want to make cool clothes, <laughs> uh, you know, to on a more surface level. Like I, there's so many things that like from middle school and high school that I've always wanted to make that I just like, didn't know how or like you know didn't have the time or space to do so so like Mm -hmm. from a selfish standpoint that's like what I'm trying to do but I think that the more important thing is the thing that I said before um Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah that's great that's awesome absolutely well (laughs) we have come down to the end of our interview there's one question left it'll help ease our minds, maybe get some creative thinking going before we wrap things up. Connor, first of all, thank you so much for for joining us on the podcast today. Without further ado, if you had one year to eat a door, hinges and doorknob included, do you think you could do it? And if so, how would you do it? A year to, to eat a door? To eat a door. Hinges and doorknob included. This is our last question for every guest. Mm-hmm. Hinges and doorknob included. I don't think I could do it. <laughs> I'll be honest. I don't know. Uh, Respect the honesty. I've been, watching, I've been watching a lot of Fear Factor recently. Um, <laughs> uh, and, you know, like, I feel like I could, eat, I could eat a bug, but a door sounds like it would really fuck up your body, uh, especially the hinges part. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how is anybody getting through a big chunk of metal i don't know i <laughs> i don't think i could do it i don't, I don't think i could do it <laughs> that's that's my answer Hot you got to know yourself i I'm, respect it i i'm well well within my limits to say that i definitely could not eat a door in a year if you get if you gave me a door today <laughs> february the door will be there that door would be there <laughs> fair enough <laughs> the man knows himself he's humble i like it yeah yeah <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know. I, th- I, I, have you ever had somebody say yes? <laughs> Almost <laughs> everyone says yes. yes. <laughs> oh, whoa. Um, wow. Usually people well, say like they would put sawdust in a smoothie every day for a year and then 
before you know it, the door is gone. And then for the metal, like melt it down and put it into a pill form and just swallow like a BB every day. Mm-hmm. They're more creative than I am. I, I wasn't, I was thinking like, you know, fork and knife style, just straight out. Just <laughs> going straight into the door. Yeah. Maybe, maybe a couple inches each day, but <laughs> no, nah, it's not happening for me. Sorry. Sorry. sorry hey, respect. Respect. <laughs> I want to meet those people that said that they would do it too. I want to talk to them. Maybe we could hook you up. Yeah, we we have a offer them a job. (laughs) (laughs) We'll make some contacts happen after this episode. But with that being said, Connor, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. We are through the main portion of this podcast. We have the closing ceremonies remaining, starting off with Song of the Week. Uh, This is an ongoing playlist that we have on Spotify. Uh, It's called Pair of Kings Season 4, if the listeners at home want to check it out. And uh, it's essentially our picks plus our guest picks each and every week compiled into one playlist for your listening enjoyment. Connor, Is there any sort of curation here or is it just going to be like... The lack of curation is the curation. Exactly. I see. see. Um, There's a song called Happy Feelings by... Uh, I, I guess it's Maze from 70s that I really like. Maybe use that one. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I have a whole playlist that I've been sort of bumping recently that's like all oldies based on a radio station from my hometown. Um, nice. Is that by that, Frankie Beverly? Yeah, it is. Okay. He, he was a part of a group called um, Maze for a little while. Got it. That was like big in the 70s going into the 80s, I think. Um, literally, I posted that song recently and my dad was like, my roommate used to play this every day. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> but yeah, I've been sort of nerding out on all of these recently. Um, so that's that's my that's my pick. That's Such awesome. a great era of music. Yeah. So yeah. how about yourself? Um, I've got what I think is one of the best songs I've ever heard. Um, the song is Can't Give You Anything, uh, and then in parentheses, But My Love. Uh, it's by The Stylistics. It starts with this fantastic like horn solo or like horn riff, and it, it sets, sets the mood for a near-perfect song. It's so good. It's so good. I'll have to check it out. I've never heard it before. It'll be on the playlist for our listening pleasure yeah what about you john um let's see i've been listening to this must be the place by talking heads Mm. quite a bit recently that's just a classic um it's been covered yeah they're just i mean you can't go wrong with that song it's a great uh foray into their music so by all means go check that out For all you listeners at home. <laughs> if you haven't, you should watch some interviews of, of that guy. Uh, I haven't seen any. I'll have to check those out as well. You, you should. <laughs> they're, they're, they're hilarious. Um, and sort of great. You would love it. Just, just look into it. <laughs> Excellent. Well, now I have something to do for the rest of the day. <laughs> Sounds good. Before we get too far away from the podcast, we do have multiple avenues for communication, one of which is a Discord. Um, we ask in all of our guest episodes that our guests give us a, a keyword or a phrase or something um, to send us uh, at Pair of Kings Pod on Instagram. If you would like to join, um, 
Connor, would you like for to other pick people a... to send us if they listen yes. to the episode? Exactly. Yeah. Oh. Our, uh... So what? What sort of like? What's the? <laughs> it's a, it's a keyword, <laughs> and if people listen this far, they can send it to us, and we send back an invite to join our Discord, which we have coined the happiest place in fashion. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Uh, does it have to be related? Like, what is? Not at you all. could literally say whatever you want. It's just so people can prove that they've listened to an episode. That they've listened this mm. far. Um, hmm. I don't know. My dog's name is Mister. <laughs> cool. Send us Mister, and we will respond with an invite <laughs> to what we like to call the happiest place in fashion. There you go. <laughs> Before we get going, Connor, take as much time as you'd like. Give some shout yeah. outs, some thanks time tell us where we can find you all that good stuff the floor is yours uh i just have instagram and it's just connor mcknight uh that's c-o-n-n-o-r uh there have been a lot of issues with the spelling of my name (laughs) it's i've gotten c-o-n-n-e-r quite a few times even sometimes in press (laughs) wow the disrespect Yeah. yeah you know um so that's that's a big one for me. Try to get my name right. Um, but I I don't know who do I shout out. Um, shout out my dog. Shout out my girlfriend who's waiting patiently here. Um, <laughs> I don't really know. I've never done that before. So. Those are some great yeah, shout outs. You, you can you can totally find me on Instagram if, if you're interested. <laughs> and if you want to get in touch about working together, just shoot me an email at info at connor-mcknight.com. Um, totally open to new new opportunities. And, you know, even if you're just getting started and you want to talk, um, you know, totally down. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Well, Connor, that brings us to the end, actually, of this podcast. Thank you so much. <laughs> for taking the time out of your busy schedule to join us. We really appreciate it. And uh, thank you for such a great interview. Yeah. Totally. Totally. It was my pleasure. Um, you know, it's great talking to you guys. Great meeting you. Maybe one Likewise. day we'll be in person. <laughs> <laughs> Once things return like 2024 to when we can yeah. go outside again. Yeah. yeah. But <laughs> I'll wear my boots. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. it <laughs> oh, Thank you to Connor. Thank you to John. Thank you to everybody listening right now. It means a lot that you would take the time out of your day to spend with us, chop it up, sit here, listen to the three of us, just explore fashion, get to know Connor a little bit better and have a conversation in this space that we all love so dearly. As always, I am Saul Thompson on Instagram at Saul Thompson, joined each and every week by my wonderful co-host. I'm John Hogaboom. You can find me on Instagram at John Hogaboom. And this week by a very special guest, Connor McKnight. You can find him on Instagram at Connor McKnight. Um, Connor, is your website just ConnorMcKnight.com? <laughs> Connor-McKnight.com, oh. yes. With an O-R, everybody. <laughs> almost, almost. <laughs> It'll be, the, his Instagram handle will be in the title of this episode. So just look yep. at your phone and you'll be able to find him. So go check that out. Go check out his website if you want some really, really gorgeous, high quality stuff. Mm-hmm. Thank you again for listening. It means a lot. Um, as always, this has been the pair of Kings podcast. You can find us on Instagram at pair of Kings pod on Twitter at pair of Kings pod on TikTok at pair of Kings pod. You can email us at pair of Kings pod at gmail.com, whatever it may be. 
join us, talk to us. We love engaging, chopping it up with anybody who may have listened um, and just getting to know the community better. We would not be anything without you guys. It means a lot that you would tune in. As always, everybody, this has been the Pair of Kings podcast, where twice a week, every week for the foreseeable future, we are bringing you business as usual, tomfoolery as planned. Thank you, everybody, and have a great Thursday. Thanks, everyone. Have a great Thursday. Thanks for having me.